0: and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message.
1: Shabbat Shalom. It's a joy to see you all this morning. We might be small in number, but we are mighty with God. Amen. You know, I was thinking about what a privilege it is to be able to share the message. You know, I, I thank the Lord for this opportunity. I'm humbled. I also want to take a minute and thank Rabbi Michael. I know he's not here, but also the elders for this opportunity and trusting me. Thank you very much. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're humbled today for allowing us to celebrate your Shabbat, your holy day. Lord, we thank you for the rest you've given us. We thank you for not only bringing us through the week, but being there through that time and being with us in those times throughout this week, Lord. None of this would be possible without you. It's you the reason we're here. Nothing to do with us, but to you, Lord, all praise and glory and honor. Father, I ask that you open our ears to hear what you have to say. Ruach HaKodesh, you are welcome here. You are needed May you flourish in this place and teach us and guide us. Thank you for this time. B'shem Yeshua Meshikinu. Amen. All right, so this week I wanted to take a minute and look through this week's Torah portion, which is called Beshalach. Can you say Beshalach? It means when he let go. And the title of this message is It's Time to Go. Now, no, it's not time to go to Oneg and and go enjoy lunch just yet. That'll be here in a little while. No, it's time for the children of Israel to go. Does it seem like it was a little while? No, they are coming out and being birthed into a nation, into an entire nation right now. But it didn't happen overnight. It started way back here with Abraham. Father Abraham He received the word from the Lord and he said, go. And he listened. He obeyed the Lord. He followed him. His life was everything of a challenge in itself. But it was, as we see in Hebrews 11, it says it's by his faith. It was his faith that made him righteous. He actually believed and trusted in the Lord. He didn't have all the scriptures we have today, did he? No, he had the word of the Lord and he listened and he obeyed. But as he received the word from the Lord... Sometimes it wasn't always the most pleasant news. If you remember, part of the news was very pleasant. He received that his children would be as numerous as the stars, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. What a blessing that is. But they didn't end there. It said, no, your children will go to a foreign land. For 400 years, they will serve." and then I will let them out. And that's where we're at in this point in the text right now. But they're not leaving defeated, are they? No, as we've been reading through, and that's something I really love about being in a Messianic Jewish synagogue, is we have the opportunity to be in line with all the other Jewish people that are following the text through the Torah. Here we are going through the text and seeing that they're leaving, and they're leaving very wealthy now. Why? Well, will go back a little further. What happened after Avraham? We had Yitzhak and then we had Yaakov, Jacob. And Jacob lost his son, Yosef. Why? The Lord had a big plan for him. It was to save the children of Israel, to save all of the world. But for what? To show God his his magnitude, his glory to the entire world. Did he do that? Yes. There were seven good years. A plenty was put together through Yosef, his servant. And then there were seven bad. The children came together. We know the story. God saved them through his grace. And that grace was extended to Yosef, to his family. There was no hard feelings with him. No, he was happy to be used as a servant to the Lord. And we see even now with Moshe, Moses, what happened with him? He became the servant to be used for the children of Israel. What a great person he had become. 40 years he was trained by the best in a royal family in Egypt, the very best. Egypt was the rule, ruler and the world leader at that time. What happened? He left for 40 more years. He went out into the wilderness. He went into the wilderness and he met his wife. He met his children. But most importantly, who did he meet? Hashem. He had an encounter that changed his life. And many of you can relate. Maybe you've been in the wilderness and you have encountered the Lord. And he spoke to him and says, you are going to go. But what did Moshe say? How can I go? Who am I? I'm a very little speech. What was he doing? He was looking through his own physical eyes and his own character of what he could do. He wasn't looking at who God is. The God that had a bush burning right in front of him that somehow wasn't on fire. The God that he knew the name of that when he went to go tell the children of Israel, they would know exactly who he's talking about. The same God, not just of Abraham, but of Isaac and of Jacob. Well, as we see the servant Moses, he does go back. He follows through, and that's what we've been reading over the last couple of weeks. It didn't go exactly as he had planned, did it? And the Lord told him that was what was going to happen. I'm going to allow Pharaoh to harden his heart. That's exactly what happened. His heart was hardened. They were about to be free. He says, let the people go. And he says, no. What happens next? You know. The water turns to blood. Frogs fill the earth. Gnats, flies, fleas, darkness, hail, even death of the firstborn. And as Shelby had shared last week, if you heard the message That crying out from Egypt, every house cried out because they had lost a firstborn and they were in fear they were going to lose more. That's why they were in such a hurry to push Israel out. But that cry was actually an answer to a cry that had happened long before all this. That cry was the cry that Israel had Heavenly Father, they're they're killing our children, we're enslaved. We're living in a world that does not allow us to live and serve you. We need your freedom. They were crying out. So, when it's time to go, it wasn't just overnight, was it? It was a period of successions. And it says in the text this week that it was 430 years to the exact day. How precise is God? He's perfect in all his ways. And sometimes we can have a doubt. You might think it's not gonna happen. You may be like Abraham and say, you know what? Let's go ahead and have another child. It's not making sense, but no, trust in the Lord. He is faithful. So today as we come into the text, we're gonna start, if you brought your Bibles, feel free to pull them out. We're gonna be in Exodus 13 for a majority of the time. We'll be bouncing back and forth between some of the texts. But I do want to spend a majority of the time here at the beginning of this week's parasha. And we're going to start in verse 17 and go through 22. And it reads as such. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, though that was near. For God said lest perhaps the children change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness, the Red Sea, or the Sea of Reeds. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Yosef with him. For he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oaths, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkot and camped to Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day at a pillar of cloud and led the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people." This text is at least 3,300 years old. And some might argue, well, how could this possibly apply to us? Maybe you've had a similar experience. I know I've talked to a neighbor recently and says, you know, those are really great stories. But I think a lot of us here today, maybe all of us here today, truly believe this happened. This is real text. This is real narrative. God's chosen people are being birthed right here in this moment. So what I would like to introduce to you today, and it's not a new concept to you, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God, he wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to know him, he wants us to follow him. And most importantly, he wants us to obey him. I want to look at another text that I think really brings a lot of light to what we're doing here. I would like to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God That the woman of God, that the children of God may be what? Complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that is my hope and prayer today is that these words are not just words that we've heard before, that these aren't just words that maybe it's true. No, that these are words that we're actually gonna learn from today, that the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh is going to, to teach us. We're gonna be instructed in righteousness. We're gonna be corrected And we're going to be reproved. So let's go back through the text this time a little bit more slowly. I'd like to start again in Exodus 13, starting at verse 17. It says, Then it came to pass that when Paro had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines. Why? Although it was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people will change their minds and see war and return to Egypt. How many times, how many times can we look back in our own life and see the hand of the Lord and thought, wow, if I could have gone this way, this would have happened. But no, look what actually happened. Look at what the Lord has done in your own life. I want to take a look at some of the characters in this text. Look at Pharaoh himself. I mean, we can look at him. He was a world leader. He was the leader of Egypt. They were the leader of the world at that time, but who is this leader? Who does he represent? Well, if you look back, it doesn't take much, to, especially with the technology we have today, you can look at what Pharaoh looked like. He looked like a serpent. He looked just like Hasatan himself, the deceiver, the great leader of the world. Well, who does Egypt represent? The whole world itself, the world of bondage, the world of sin the world that is holding us down and it's got its yoke on us that it's so heavy and we're just saying, Lord, I'm crying out to you. I need your help. I can't do another day like this. I wanna serve you. I hear your yoke is light. Let me serve you. How about this easy path? You know, sometimes we think that, you know, salvation we see as a free gift. And then we think, you know, this is great. Salvation's a free gift. Here I go, I'm on my free ride. No, salvation's a free gift. But those those association dues are gonna cost you your life. When you start to pay the the price of being a servant of the Lord, it is light, but it means letting go of all that stuff that enslaved you and, and following the Lord. So sometimes this longer way is the straight and narrow And God answered the cries of the people. We see that the people, like we mentioned before, they were crying out and they needed the Lord's help. He delivered them from that bondage. Let's take a look at Ephesians 6, starting in verse 12. This is really what our battle's about here. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against what? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers in the darkness of this age. That ruler in the darkness of the age happened to be Pharaoh at that time. I'll tell you, Hasatan is alive and well, and he is still our enemy to this day. He is against spiritual hosts and wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, what do we need to do? Now, some of you have this memorized. Some of this is not new, But you know what? If it's not new, it's probably true, right? There's some real truth to this. And it's not something we can just take a little taste of this and say, you know what? I believe it. I've already read it. No, we have to believe this. We have to really put this on. So what do we have to do? We have to put on the whole armor of God. That way we will be able to withstand that evil day. You know, you think back, pause on the text here for a minute. Look at what happened that actually freed the children of Israel. It was the blood of the lamb. We can easily relate that back to Yeshua, right? We need the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of our hearts. But is it enough to just say, I've accepted Yeshua and not to actually follow him? If you are following him, you become a warrior. You need to put on this armor so that we can withstand this evil day. So many times Yeshua said, ye have little faith, How many times did people say, how can we possibly do this, Lord? That's too tough. He says, yes, for man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And that's why we need God's armor. So we need to be able to withstand in that evil day, having done all to stand. Having done what? All, not some. Everything that we can do to stand. Stand therefore with your waist with truth. As you wrap yourself in the righteousness of the Lord, wrap yourself in his words. That's where the truth is. As we talked about, this stuff is not new. It's 3,300, 3,500 years old, some of this text. It's truth. Wrap yourself in it. But don't stop there. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness... What is a breastplate? It's to protect our hearts. When you're in battle, that is a very vulnerable spot, isn't it? Where do you think that Hasatan would like to hit you the most? He's going after your heart. Well, how do you protect your heart? Righteousness. What is righteousness? It's doing God's word. It's doing him and being obedient to him. Well, how do we do this? And it says, in having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. As we walk, do we walk in peace? Do we walk in love? Are we following our Messiah? And above all, taking the shield of faith. I can't help but think of Abraham. The father Abraham, what did he do? He was known for his faith. But you can also look, who else was in the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11? Moshe, he was there too. We need to have faith that God will provide And with which we'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and the helmet of salvation. This one's so critical. We talk about Yeshua a lot. What? How do you say salvation in Hebrew? Yeshua. That's the helmet that we're supposed to have. We say that Rosh Pinah. Who is the head of our community? Yeshua. You know why? Why do some of us cover our heads? It's to show that God is over us, right? That we are not in charge, that he is in charge of us. So when you put on that helmet, you're putting on the salvation, that his headship, that there's nothing you can do that, that will save you. You need that blood of the lamb, as we talked about before, in order to make it to the next step. But as you see, if we're following Yeshua, what does it say in the next part? To take the sword of the spirit, which is what? the word of God. You know, we talked about this briefly, a Tuesday night Bible study, but how did Yeshua fight? How did he fight? You know, he went out to the wilderness. He had to fight against Hasatan. He was tempted just the same, if not worse than all of us have been. And how did he deal with it? Well, Hasatan, what did he do? He'd sprinkle a little bit of the word and say, you know what, look at this. Look what the word says. But what would Yeshua do? He'd fight him back with the sword and said, No. No, the word of God says this. You gotta live by every word. You can't just pick and choose what you wanna do. That's not how it works and that's not how we're gonna follow either. We're gonna follow our Messiah as he's doing. We wanna do the same. I wanna live by every word that the Lord says. Lord, teach me your ways. I'm still learning. Please teach me so that I can live righteous life. So take note of the path that Hashem chose for the children of Israel. It was not necessarily the easiest way. But why did he do it? He didn't want them going back because of the fear of the Philistines. There's a fear that sometimes we can get caught up into and lose track of what the Lord wants to do. Why? Because we're looking with physical eyes, we're listening with physical ears. Our God is a spiritual God. We need to have spiritual ears that hear. We need to have spiritual eyes that see what is the Lord trying to lead us to. When you start putting yourself in a situation and say, you know what, Lord? This looks really intimidating. There's no way I can do that. What are you really saying? You're saying, I only trust in what I see and what I have. And my God's only this big, but you know what? God's not that big, whether we think he is or not, right? God's much bigger than that. And when we allow him to step in, and work in our lives, these things that seem so huge are tiny. Again, God knows our weaknesses. He has a lot of grace and mercy. And if you look back through your journey with the Lord, I'm sure you can agree, he's taken you on a path that you won't fall. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. I love this. It says that no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape. Think about it. They were going down this narrow path. God made a way for escape, didn't he? He also killed the king of Egypt, and drowned them in the sea of reeds, the very way that he made the escape. Why? So that you'll be able to bear it. But look at this next verse. It says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Why is this in here? You would think, well, the children of Israel, they've left. They want to get out of Egypt. But the reality is a lot of them took Egypt with them, didn't they? A lot of them says, you know what? I submit to your authority. You are God. I see the works you've done. I see where you're at. I'm following you. You're saying it's time to go. I'll gladly go over here and get these gifts from my neighbor. Thank you for this gold and silver. Yeah. Now let's go. Let's go reap the benefits. But then the reality hit. Oh, I didn't sign up. I thought I was going to be in a rich mansion right now. I thought I was heading to the land of milk and honey. And it's been a month already and... uh." Where's the water? Why does it taste so nasty? Why am I tasting this bitter water? This is not what I signed up for. Let's look at that, Exodus 13, 18. It says, so God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, or the Sea of Reeds. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. They went in a form of military. You know, some scholars have showed that they were traveling constantly, that the one up front would rest and then the next ones would be going and they would just continuously be moving through this. And, and you know, we see there's at least 600,000 men, but there could have easily been 2 million people plus flocks, children. Well, sometimes that journey we encounter is a sea of reeds where only God himself can take us through. You know, so many times we can ask God to give us ease and relieve these challenges. Like I was saying, here, oh, why do we have to go through this? I thought now I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm I'm royalty. Why am I going through these hard times? It's really to see who God is. He wants us to invite him into these situations. He wants us to surrender to him completely. You know, God wants us to turn from our Egypt and to do what? To be immersed anew. You think about what happened there. What was the Sea of Reeds really? It was an immersion, a baptism. These people were going to die of themselves. It's one thing to say, you know what? I I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I accept the blood, but now I'm gonna outwardly show it. I am going to take the plunge and I'm gonna show the world that I believe in him. I'm physically going to go and be immersed in the water. Many of us have done this, right? Again, what happened? Some of these people, as we see later on, they went through the motion. God was right there with them. But their heart, their spirit was still connected to Egypt. Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10 again. I want to start in verse 1 this time. It says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea and all were immersed or baptized into Moshe, in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank the spiritual, that spiritual rock that followed them. This part just blows my mind. Who was that rock? It was Messiah. Messiah was there the whole time. But with most of them, God was not pleased. How many most of them? How many did we talk about earlier? 600,000 men, 20 and older, are on this journey. How many are mentioned by name that actually made it into the promised land? Joshua and Caleb by name they had a different spirit about them didn't they we see that there was a battle that went on at the end of this week's portion Amalek you know who some say you can even connect to, to Haman boo right yes you start thinking about this who is this guy this is another attack another test as you're on your faith do you really believe that God's in charge Joshua did what did he do? He was the one that the Lord used and said to Moses, go and have him fight. He went and fought the battles. Remember, you had her and you had Aharon holding up the hands of Moshe. He's getting tired. They even put a rock down. And as long as his hands were up, they were winning the battle. You see who's fighting the battle. It's the Lord. And who's the Lord using? People who believe in him. Look at verse five in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became what? Our examples. Is Rav Shaul only talking to the people around 2,000 years ago? No, this is here today for the body of believers in Messiah Yeshua. Now these things have become our examples to the intent that we should not lust after the evil things that they lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And you think about it, what were they complaining about in this week's portion? Oh, the water. Oh, I can't stand it. Oh, the food. You know, where's the meat? If we could just have the pots of meat we had back in Egypt, and who were they really complaining to? Moses and Aaron. But who were they really complaining to? To God. What did Yeshua say about this? Our Messiah, said, he told people, don't worry about the cares of today. There's enough anxiety in today. He also says, that's what the pagans do. They worry about their food. They worry about their clothing. If I will take care of this flower, how much more will I take care of you? You? Do we really believe that? Well, sometimes, let's be honest. It might be hard, because if you look through the text, it looks like it's been about a month since they left Egypt, and there's people dying and they're thirsty, it can be hard to believe, right? It can. Well let's continue on. Second Corinthians 5:17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Messiah, he is what? A new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So what's really happening here is we're seeing the gospel of the kingdom really coming out through this event. Accept the blood of Yeshua on the doorpost of your heart. Leave Egypt. Get out of there. Die of your old self. Be buried Let that fleshy side die and follow me. Who was leading the way the whole time? There was a pillar, right? Cloud of smoke in the day, pillar of fire at night. God was with them that whole time, but how some of them didn't see him. Let's continue on in the text. Exodus 13, 19 says, And Moshe took the bones of Yosef with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under the solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. How prophetic is that? Think back. This is a couple hundred years ago. This is his generations remembering what had happened. And if we think back, who also set the tone for this? Abraham? He bought the tomb, Machpelah in the field, right? And then that continued on. Well, we also saw that Yaakov, he went down to Egypt. He got to reunite with Yosef. But when he was about to die, he made Yosef promise him, take me back and bury me with my fathers. Why? We don't stay in Egypt. We might be in this world, but we're not of this world. How prophetic is that? They were showing us the way to go, which is in the promised land, before it was even theirs. So that prophetic voice of their father, Jacob, he said to bury him with his fathers. And then we have the obedient son, Joseph. Joseph, he followed his father's vision by commanding his sons to do the same. And you can see they took it seriously. This is several hundred years later. And now here they are, taking these bones all the way back up. And I think there's something for us to glean here. I think that we can follow this example. And you say, well, how can that be? There's no way I'm going to Hebron. Have you looked on the news? Have you seen the the disconnect between people there? It is a dangerous place. No, not with Yosef, but with Yeshua. You you, You can see the way that we can follow him. And not with the tomb that's in Hebron, but with the tree, the torture stake, the cross, we can follow him to that stake. Not to Hebron, but to the promised land. God's kingdom. God's kingdom where moth and rust does not destroy. God's kingdom where there is right rulership and justice. Look at what Yeshua said in Matthew 16, starting in verse 24. Then Yeshua said to his Talmudim, his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it for a man if he gains the whole world? and you can see yeshua was offered the whole world by hasatan wasn't he he turned it all down what is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul how valuable is our soul obviously very if you can see from the very garden of eden hasatan's trying to take away the domain right there isn't he even to this day but what is it at the whole world if you lose your own soul or what will a man or a woman give in exchange for his soul? Well, let's continue on, on this journey. In Exodus 13, 20 and 21, it said, so they took their journey from Sukkot and camped to Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and by night. God did not abandon his people. How can people even look? I mean, it's so easy where we're at looking back. How could they possibly think that God's not with them? I don't have a pillar of fire or a cloud of smoke right here, right now. They had that right in front of their face. You know what we have right in front of our faces? We have the scriptures. We have all these testimonies. We have the Holy Spirit. We're fully equipped. And in what we have, if they could see what we have now, they'd say, wow, how can these people make the mistakes that they're making? They're fully equipped. Shouldn't they have learned from our examples? God did not abandon his people. He led the way, didn't he? You can sure see it. in when they were going to the Sea of Reeds, what happened? this pillar that they're following stopped and it went behind them and it actually blocked Egypt. Now I wasn't there, but I can imagine it must've been really dark on Egypt's side. They did not have access to the children of Israel, but I imagine a nice bright light. Why? Because it said that it was at the end of the day, this was when the sea of reeds began to open up and the children of Israel walked on dry land. On dry land, and then all of them made it through before the sun even came up. He was protecting them. Let's look at Deuteronomy 31. The reason I want to look at this is because it might be easy to say, well, He was with them then, but why did they die in the wilderness? God abandoned them. No, He didn't. God never left the children of Israel. In fact, that pillar stayed with them. That manna stayed with them all the way until they crossed over into the Jordan. In Deuteronomy 31, seven and eight, then Moses called up Joshua. You know, Moses, he did not make it in the promised land. He did get to go and look. I believe it was Mount Pisgah. He's looking over and he's seeing the land. But the Lord gave him Joshua, the one we mentioned before that was mentioned by name. He had a different spirit about him. And what did Moshe say to Yehoshua? He said to him in the sight of Israel, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord... He is the one that goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not be dismayed. What a great way to have a change of command, don't you think? If you you look at great leaders and they, they offer a change of command, the great leader Hashem himself allowed Moshe to give this change of command to Joshua and to give him these encouraging words, which held to be true. Well, let's continue on in the text of Exodus 13, looking at verse 22. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. As I mentioned before, God did not take it away then. And honestly, he has not taken it away now. What does that represent? It represents his presence You know, we believe in the Ruach HaKodesh. We believe in the power of God. Well, he is with us now. And not only is he with us, but he is for us. So as we look at it's time for Israel to go, and they're going through this birth canal, they're going to be birthed out into a new nation. They're going to be born again, as you will. And we look at our own lives we are to do the same thing, right? We are to leave the world. We are to be birthed out. And you look at the way they went to the Sea of Reeds. Some scholars say that it was a very narrow path and and that there were walls that actually went up on both sides that they couldn't even move to the right or to the left. It was like a birth canal taking them right to where they were supposed to go. So let's, let's think about this. If it's time for us to go too, we need to look to God for our strength. There's no way to God except through his son, Yeshua. That's very clear in the text. And I want to take a minute and look at that. John 14. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Who is this? This is Yeshua talking. Believe in me, Yeshua says. He's talking to his Talmudim. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, we look at the manna that was given to them in this week's portion. And we look in, I believe it's also in the gospel of John. Yeshua at one point says, I am the bread of life. And people ask him, well, what does that even mean? What do you mean you're the bread of life? He says that in the last day, that those who trust in him will be raised up. Yeah, but we look at here, it says, in my house, there's many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that I, where I am, that you will be also, and where I go, in the way you will know. Now we think about this. Yeshua did not just die, did he? No, his blood atoned for our sins. But he resurrected. He lives, and he ascended. And right now, he is our high priest sitting at the right hand of the Father. Well, as I read through this text, I can't help but wonder, what were people thinking? You know, so you say, you know, and you know the way. Well, what is this way? And I'm glad that Thomas took the time to ask, aren't you? What do you mean, Lord? He asked him, he says, what is the way? Well, in verse six, we get that. And Yeshua answered Thomas, he says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and no one. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, as we look to God for our strength, look to Yeshua. Look to Him as the door, as the way to the Father. Cry out to Him. As the Israel cried out, did God answer their prayers? Yes. He sent His faithful servant, didn't He? He sent Moshe. And they actually did make it. Not all of them, but eventually they did, right? cry out to God. But what was important, you have to leave Egypt behind. We have to turn from the world. We have to turn from the people and the things that are not healthy in our life. And we must flee from idolatry. Idolatry is not always so obvious as some figure or some God, but it could be something that's in the way of your relationship with God. And that's something we have to do personally. Lord, search me, test me, show me, teach me your ways. I'd like to look at Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. It says, if you were raised with Messiah, seek those things that are above. You know, if we have been connected to Messiah and we truly have died with him, we've been raised again, These ways of the world should be no more. For where Messiah is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Messiah and God. I claim that over all of our lives. We need to follow him. Yeshua says, follow me. He says, take my yoke, it is light. We need to trust him. You look at some of the challenges that the disciples had. Here they are on the boat and Yeshua's taking a nap, right? In the middle of a storm and he wakes up, you of little faith. We need to trust in him. We do need to call out to him. But it's not just enough to believe. It's not just enough to know God. We have to follow him. We have to obey him. We need to be growing. Look back over your life and see the direction you're going. The Lord will reveal it to you. Every day, ask him, Lord, what is it you want me to be doing? He has an assignment for us each and every day. Going back into the text in John, as we look at Yeshua, we get to look at Philip here. It said that Philip asked him a question too. He's like, how do we know you, Lord? How can we possibly know the Father? And Yeshua said to Philip, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? Yeshua said to him, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You know, this is some bizarre talk. If you don't understand the the power of the Holy Spirit, this could be a little bit confusing, right? How could the Father be in the Son and the Son be in the Father? And then you hear people talking sometimes, well, how could Yeshua be living with me? You have to have the Holy Spirit. And God says, if you ask, you will receive. He will send that helper. But yeah, in verse 10, it says, I am in the Father and the Father's in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Why? Because he's a faithful servant of God. Our words don't matter. We need to be more quiet with our words. We need to let the Lord speak. That's what Yeshua did. If we're following him, this is a great example of what we can learn from. But the Father who dwells in me, that's who's doing the work. All praise and glory to God. You want to get God upset? He's a merciful, gracious God. Try and take His glory. Not a good idea. How did that work out for Moshe? Not well. Lastly, obey Him. Looking at John 14, verse 15, what did Yeshua say to them? He said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father that He will give another helper. Who was this helper? This is the Ruach HaKodesh. This is the Holy Spirit. And what will happen? That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, did Pharaoh receive it? Pharaoh died. The Egyptians and him that were going out, they died. They did not make it, did they? No, this is where you can receive the Holy Spirit. Leave Egypt Die of yourself and accept the free gift of salvation. Accept the helper, accept the wisdom of God. God gives wisdom to all those who ask. And you ask him right now, he will give you that power. He'll give you the faith that you need to overcome anything. So the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, who Pharaoh can't receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know, I'm almost convinced they couldn't even see the pillar. All they saw was darkness. But you know him. And you know what? You know the Lord too. You know him, and he dwells with you, and he will be with you. I pray that we take this with us this week. I pray that this will encourage us to walk with the Lord, to walk in righteousness, to walk in obedience but also to take some time and to search our hearts and say, Lord, is there a little bit of Egypt that I'm holding on to? I don't want any spot or blemish on me. I want to be pure in heart and cleansed. I want to have the white garments and sit at the banquet table with you in the promised land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this Shabbat. Thank you for these words that you've given us today of encouragement that we must leave the world, that we cannot serve two masters, that we need you and you alone, and that you are faithful and that you are enough, that you are all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present, that you are there with us, that you are for us. Thank you for this encouragement, Lord. We accept the free gift of salvation, We turn from our wicked ways. We turn from the world. We turn from idolatry. And we turn to you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you encourage us us in this new week, that we will hear your voice, that we will seek you daily and get that daily bread each and every morning before the sun burns it up, that we will seek you in your word, that we'll seek you in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time and we dedicate it to you. Hashem Yeshua, Meshikina. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pina Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10:40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.